the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, a new live local show on K-Praise designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. And hey, here we are for two, count them, two hours of wonderful time communicating to you, my listening friend, with some of the movers and shakers in San Diego County. And here with me now, moving and shaking, are John and Judy Ross, pastors of Cloud9 Fellowship in the spring. Did I, what did I say? Fellowship? So thank you for, you'll be straightening me, yes, straightening I'll, me out I'll throughout. Uh, Cloud9 Worship Center, I know that because I hang there oftentimes <laughs> yep. in Spring Valley. So John and Judy Ross, you know, let me tell you a little bit about the uh, two-hour show, my friends. <clears throat> First hour, John and Judy, these people not only are moms and dads in San Diego County, but they have been what we call wall watchers. In other words, they're sitting on the wall, spiritually speaking, and seeing what's going on throughout San Diego County. And they have been taking spiritual notes of everything that's been going on and how God's been moving collectively in San Diego County. So we're going to kind of dip into their life and observations and have them share with us what they sense, because they're people that really have a heart for what God is doing in San Diego County. Not only that, but their heart cry is to help you discover what God's doing and plug you into that, whatever that looks like. Now, the second hour you're going to absolutely love as well. The the, uh, the person uh, is, is um, Bill Creasy, Dr. Bill Creasy, and he has um, the uh, Logos Bible Study outreach, and he's a prolific teacher of the Bible, but he doesn't do it in your traditional preacher pulpit pounding way. He goes to the grassroots level and see, and uh, asks the question, what did it really look back in the, like back in those days? And so we're going to do the nativity from uh, Dr. Bill Creasy's point of view. That's the second hour. So we're going to have a great time and we're glad that you are with us. Uh, John and Judy Ross from Cloud, was it Cloud 14 again? I get so good. <laughs> Cloud 9 Worship Center, my listening friends. And uh, let's talk a little bit about you guys. So Judy and John, why don't you, you want to let her start, John? Yes, let's let her start. And uh, give us an overview, and then John will straighten you out when necessary. So go ahead, um, Judy. Well, we came to San Diego in 1971 straight out of Bible college. Uh-huh. And we were, uh, for four years, uh, worked in another church. Uh, he was the associate pastor and the principal of the church there I taught. And in the midst of all of that, um, the Lord uh, called us, said, okay, you're going to pastor. And um, uh, so we were young and dumb and said, okay, <laughs> and having no clue really what we were getting into. Well, but you knew that the Lord was but in it. The Lord was in it. And we came into a situation where it was a church split. We had gotten appointed there because they couldn't vote on anybody. It was that bad. But God, in his mercy and his grace, just gave us a quick education and yes. um, brought us through. And um, it things just, um, after that, we learned quickly, yeah. had to in a situation yeah, like that. 
<laughs> and uh, we begin to to uh, uh, experience um, some interesting things and times over the years. Yes. So, John, uh, Pastor John Ross, where did you first realize that God had called you to be kind of a watcher on what's going on in San Diego and kind of come alongside of so many different people and kind of be the father figure and, and Judy the mom figure? So, John? Well, we started off uh, pastoring, and I never pastored before. I didn't even train to be a pastor. So what happened is, uh, when God spoke to my heart about being a pastor, it kind of scared me a little bit. And so we could, then we come into a very bad situation, and that was not helpful. <laughs> and I had to really lean on the Lord a lot to find out what he wanted us to do. So through the 80s, um, we found ourselves at times doing things at the church, prayer meetings, whatever. Uh, we, I, I tell people that for the first 24 years that we pastored the church, that we had one prayer meeting after another because of the spiritual warfare that was going on. And at some point in the 80s, every once in a while, something would happen uh, with us. And we would come to find out later that the attack against us and how we dealt with it had to do with the, with the church out large in San Diego County. Okay, explain that. Uh, what, was it uh, the enemy working against you, or was it other pastors kind of subverting your vision? Or wh- what did that look like back in the 80s? Uh, no, it wasn't other, other churches or pastors coming against us. Uh, we were just aware. What happened for, uh, for quite a few years was that the enemy would send in somebody that would try to, to destroy disrupt, us. Disrupt and destroy. Disrupt, disrupt the church, whatever. And um, usually an average of about three years they would be there. Twice I had to actually ask somebody to leave the church because— But Judy wouldn't go, would she? <laughs> no. oh, stubborn. Uh, anyway, so, uh, so what happened <clears throat> is, is that um, then we would, because how we dealt with it in the prayer meeting or whatever, that we would find out later that some other church or ministry or whatever was going through some of the same things. Yes. And, uh, and we, had a, we had a witness in our heart that when we would deal with it uh, appropriately and successfully— that it impacted the church at large. So we thought, well, someday, you know, we may find out how other people exactly. were impacted. So uh, anyway, so we were uh, happy for the Lord to use us that way. Can I just inter- interject something there? Is that that still is the case? That is still the case today that sometimes people get wrapped up in their situation and they think, oh, I'm dealing with this and dealing with that. But as pastors and we uh, talk with so many and so many come with us and I have to tell them across the board, this is what the enemy has let loose right now. Yes. This is a bigger picture. This isn't just about you. And so, therefore, if you see it that way, that actually all times it's easier to come and deal with rather than think, oh, woe is me. Yes. And that we can actually get victory over a lot quicker. And so we have seen this not just on a personal level with people, but across the board in the city. And um, the Lord will show us as things are happening, we realize that. They are happening, and so all that prayer and all that warfare was for the, we had hoped at least, was for the benefit of the whole region. Yes, and one of the things, you, you talk about the 80s and those things were going on, mm-hmm. it's in multiplied and maybe tenfold now because we're in, a, San Diego is in a time where God wants to really use San Diego yes. as kind of a prototype city, yes. and he's calling on different people throughout the county, different believers to do parts of the puzzle, 
And uh, the enemy has to work intensely to uh, mm-hmm. steal and destroy and miscommunicate. So th- those are the things that we see going on. But one of the th- exciting things that I have w- was thinking about when bringing you two on is you guys have been kind of grassroots level observing the entire makeup of San Diego County and the pastors and believers throughout the county. So you're getting a sense, a real sense of what God is doing here. You've had a, you've had a vision in your hearts. I've known you for 20 plus years or whatever, whatever, but you've had a real vision in your heart that God had something very special for yes. San Diego County. Yes. And don't you get a sense that we're right on the verge oh, of yes. a, a, the launching pad on that, or maybe even we're already a few uh, hundred feet off the launching pad heading up. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. Absolutely. And he's been, it's been a joy to see that um, breaking through that has uh, been occurring since then the nineties um, that it is just, it's just been expansive already, but the acceleration that's going on now is just incredible to just see. Yes. And then the future segments, what I'd like for you guys to do is to kind of, let's walk through some of the things in the history of San Diego County, including Billy Graham's involvement here and other things as well that helped expedite this to where it is today. And also you've observed some of the, the challenges that we have to be careful not to fall into those those uh, pitfalls. You talked about uh, the enemies, foreign and domestic, <clears throat> some people coming into the church and disrupting, and some people disrupting from the outside. Yeah, the people that come in always looked like nice, good Christians, and t- <laughs> they talked the, the language and so forth. And what happened is, um, we, for instance, let me give you one example. In 1981, we had a man come in, and he became our worship leader and youth leader, a very talented, anointed uh, uh, musician and so forth. And over the next three years, you know, he was uh, the one that guided that. And by the end of the, um, we, but we began to hear things uh, that he was saying behind our backs. And we even heard that his, um, uh, his what he was telling people is that he was the church, not us. Uh-huh. And that if he ever left the church, that everybody would leave and they'd have to, would have to lock the doors. And, yes. But the problem is, is that uh, when he left and I, I got up and, and told everybody, everybody clapped that he was gone. <laughs> and then we had, in the 90s, we had a, a board member that rose up against our, our marriage and tried to come in between us. And uh, and God showed us how to handle that. And we had intercessors that prayed. In 1999, we were the first church to have an IHOP uh, service out of, outside International of the city. House, House of, of prayer. prayer. International House of Prayer, yes, not the, the, not the pancake house. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We still have people think it's pancakes. Harp, harp and, <laughs> and, um, and so we had, uh, we had um, Wes Campbell and, and his wife were there for an all-day Saturday meeting. We had over 100 people back to church out. And one of my intercessors at that time, she's now in heaven, enjoying heaven, but yes. uh, she, uh, she explained uh, to a friend of ours that... Um, she saw a spirit of python over the church mm-hmm. and gave you know definite description of it. So what happened is we uh, uh, we we knew that we've been dealing with something. Now we now we have something tangible. This python spirit that was strangling everything. And over the next several years, we dealt with that python spirit and uh, and took care of that. And it was after that then that we experienced some tremendous freedom in the church. We're going to find out what this freedom is beginning to look like. And my listening friend, you're going to be excited. If you haven't experienced this level of freedom that God is issuing into the church these days, uh, stick around because you're going to realize that he's prolific in doing it. And uh, he's 
uh, stirring and wants to stir you as well. We're going to take a look at what that is looking like in San Diego County from these people who have been observing this for a few decades. John and Judy Ross, pastors of Cloud9 Worship Center in Spring Valley. My listening friend, we've got more exciting information coming your way soon. And guess what? We'll be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Well, hello, my friends. You know, many of you actually are listening from San Diego County, and you have vested interest within San Diego County. So we wanted to spend a little bit of time telling you not only what is going on now in San Diego County, but what has gone on uh, from a Christian perspective in San Diego County through the decades so that you can comprehend that this is not something that just instantly happened. God has been forging things in San Diego County, and uh, John and Judy Ross with the Cloud Nine Worship Center in Spring Valley have been right in the thick of it for a number of decades as well. So I'm glad that you're with us, Judy and John. So what, what I'd like to do right now is, you know, my friends, a lot of times as I looked what was going on, and Judy and, and uh, John can just jump on and into this, but when I realized early on, uh, different pastors were beginning to, to do different things decades ago, and then, but it turned out to be, this is my church, and here's what we are doing, and then another pastor would rise up and do a venue or an event, <clears throat> and they would say, and this is my church, and this is what we're doing, and here's how you can find out more about this. Go to my church. And, you know, that works fine for the elevation of an individual church or an individual denomination. But what I'm sensing, Judy, and you may agree with this, and John, is God wants to do something bigger and broader than that. Yes. So uh, it, it's so. beginning to take a different look. So w- what are you seeing as far as the transition now? You know, when I look on, on calendars and things like that, there's a lot of worship venues going on in San Diego. Um, how many years ago was that we started doing that outbreaks? 2008. Uh, I had come back from Lakeland, um, outpouring in, in Florida and, uh, and the Lord put it in my heart cause I didn't want to do what everybody else did. The pastor's coming back and trying to repeat Lakeland in their churches. And the Lord, uh, told me to first to wait. I waited a couple of months and then he said, I want you to start doing outbreak meetings and he told me why to call it outbreak and not something else. And um, so we started doing, uh, for a while, we did it every other week. We did a Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And so Lakeland, help help us from a listener standpoint, Lakeland was a move of God that was going on? Yes, in 2008, for from April to August. In Lakeland? Florida. Florida. Florida, Lakeland, Florida, yes. I'm uh, sorry. And so... Um, a lot of pastors and, 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 and people in the area had gone to Lakeland to visit down there for that outpouring. And so a friend of mine, Rob Stark, and I, we went down together, and we spent four days there. And uh, it was during that time I had a baptism of fire, and uh, that has never left me since. And so uh, we came back carrying that and wanted to know what to do with it. And so we put it on my heart to do the outbreak meetings. So was this a theme? Was the theme worship related, or what was it teaching, or or whatever Holy Spirit wanted to do at the time? Well, you, people would remember it was Todd Bentley. Uh-huh. Uh, Todd Bentley was in, uh, ahead of that, and so um, a lot of people were uh, experiencing uh, miraculous healing and miracles and so forth. And so, uh, so when the Lord spoke to me about the outbreak, He said, "I'm going. I'm going to do healing. I'm going to do miracles. I'm going to do all these other things. Uh, so therefore, you can't call it by one thing. You can't call it a healing." 
meetings, whatever you call it, outbreak, because I'm going to outbreak in so many different ways. Yes. And we've seen our lives uh, touched and impacted in the last 10 years because now, of that. Yes, now, Our schedule would be Friday night, Saturday night, but on Sunday we purposely went to a 2 o'clock service. Our service would be a 2 o'clock service. So We're people, talking p.m., aren't we? Yes. yes. So <laughs> When the Holy Spirit guys going, yes. hard to tell. It may be 2 a.m. Yeah. Who knows? I'm <laughs> no, game for that, no, by the way. This happened. <laughs> so that everybody, that they could go to their own churches and they could still come and uh, receive what was happening. And it was sometimes we started out saying, we would tell our speakers even, this is the agenda. It's the Holy Spirit's. Yes. And it's possible that you won't even get to speak. And there were times that that would happen because our heart, we were so hungry for that, for the Holy Spirit to have preeminence. There's a reason why we're called Cloud Nine Worship Center, Center. because we're back to the center is to glorify the Lord, to come into his presence. Out of his presence, then everything flows. Yes, and And, the worship is a key. And the worship is, is a key. Yes, you know, yeah. I'm looking, go ahead, John. I was just trying uh, to say that um, we had so many people that were coming and visiting us from other churches, and some of these were leaders in other churches. So the one thing I did not want is I didn't want pastors mad at me because <laughs> their leader comes and says Sunday morning, um, we're going to skip service at our church this morning because we're going to go to Cloud 9 because of the no. guest speaker they have there. We See, we wanted, because God told me in the beginning, he said, what's going to happen, what he does at Cloud 9 it's going to so impact people that come that they're going to go back to their home churches and it's going to get released in their home churches. So that, I think that was ingenious, basically, that you, you did a gathering or a, an assembly after the traditional church services in the morning across the, the you know church uh, calendar in San Diego County. So the, the afternoon, many churches and church members are freed to do other things. And exactly. if this is done under the auspices of the pastor, then it changes the whole complexion of that. And um, worship has to play a key role in that, wouldn't you say, Judy? Oh, absolutely. And that's what we, we, we were wanting to give this away. This was, we have been a regional church for a long time. Now, we were the first um, out of Kansas City, Mike Bickles moved the Harp and Bowl, the, what they call the International House of Prayer. We were the first one out of Kansas City was established at our church. When was that? Was this 1999? Pete, we started Pete Doakley? With Pete yeah, Doakley. Yeah, August of 1999. And Kaz was a part of that. Yeah, he I just, was. So wherever there's that. worship things going on, I like to be uh, involved in that. You know, my listening friend, when, when you really understand the heart of God, you realize how vital worship is. You know, when you go into, a, when you know you're going to be in a heavenly environment, you know it's going to be loud and raucous worship at the throne room. So he's saying, why not now? Why not here? Genesis 49 talks about the tribe of Judah being the leader, and Judah That's means right. praise. That's and so right. what God wants to do is he wants to lead his people into his presence with praise and worship. And you know, it's funny, Judy, that uh, teaching and uh, instruction and different uh, interactions happen as a result of the 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 vertical relationship, then the horizontal relationships kind of work as well. That's right. And out of um, this expansion, it was so from 1999 when we had, uh, we began with the IHOP, the IHOP there, um, that it, it so began to move. um, And about seven, oh, eight, nine, I don't know how many it was, that Peter Doakley from our church then was able to go up through Southern California and start others. Yeah, um, I was going to say something about that. Yeah, 
because in May of 1999 is when Mike Bickle started the Harper Bowl at the beginning of the IHOP. And, and, Mar- and Mike Bickle is in Kansas, Kansas, Kansas City. City. Uh, yes. mm-hmm. And so, uh, so we were there at the end of June for his last Passion for Jesus conference in that church. And so Pete Doakley and his wife moved out here right after that. This is in uh, the end of June, 1st of July. And so the first one got started in August of 99. And um, probably the first couple of years after that, every IHOP in Southern California got started from our church. So Pete took a team yes. and we got invited to different churches all over the uh, so on. And then eventually, you know, people heard about Kansas City. Then they started going to Kansas City yes. and getting it firsthand. Well, you know, God is doing such a remarkable thing as you look at the at the broad brushstroke in San Diego County now. There's so many different things. San Diego has always been a mecca for his real solid teachers. Uh, Bible mm-hmm. teachers uh, are actually launch out from San Diego. I, actually, if you have to have a home base, San Diego <laughs> ain't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> but right. but uh, it seems like uh, San Diego has been kind of a, a springboard just uh, for pastors. Now, I think God is tr- helping us understand that it's more than just a springboard for pastors. It needs to be a springboard for God's work collectively, and people are getting an opportunity yes. to see that collective work. And, you know, one of the things that I I know was big and impactful to you was when Billy Graham was here in 2007, I sensed, and you were right on ground level praying for people, as I recall, Mm -hmm. and I was involved in that as well. So different, there are different landmarks that happened in San Diego County. You could say God is methodically preparing us for bigger and better things. Well, when we first came, San Diego was considered a spiritual graveyard. Yes. And uh, there were people that came in and said, I'm not coming back. Uh, and Billy Graham was one of them. Uh, and so... What, what, what was it? Uh, a spirit of kind of uh, 19, competition? Yeah, ni- no, no, 1976, because it, it just felt like there was spiritually it was dead. You could drive across the county line to San Diego, and you could feel the oppression uh, that was here. And uh, But there are a lot of intercessors over the years, uh, many uh, ministry leaders and so forth, that continued to believe and pray for God to uh, to impact uh, San Diego County. So, what did you what did you sense, Judy? Did you sense there was a specific a, a spirit of competition or a spirit of uh, a, what, a total what was going lack? On? There was a total lack of working together in any way. Disunity. It, it really it really was, um, and it was, um, and it was, was it was what what am I going to get out of it? You know, one of the things, we're going to talk about this in great detail because a lot of people, as do I, be, believe that when Billy Graham came in 2007, that was a real linchpin for what God is doing now. For the first time, uh, I saw people coming together like never before uh, in that uh, three or four day venue, the largest venue in San Diego's history at what was then Qualcomm Stadium. We're going to talk a little bit more about that with uh, John and Judy Ross, pastors at Cloud9 a worship center. We're going to talk a little bit about that because they were right on the, the ground level and they observed some things there that I want them to share with you. And I want you to get a sense that God is doing some major things in San Diego County. And guess what, my friend, you and I get to play a vital role in that. But I wanted to spend this time uh, kind of uh, preparing you by understanding some of the past history of San Diego County so that you can know that it's not an instant thing that's going on. It's a thing that God's been planting and preparing for a long time. We're going to talk more about that with my guest co-hosts for this hour, Judy and John Ross, Cloud Nine Worship 
Center. And my listening friend, we will be right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Hello, San Diego. This is Rick Sines from uh, Red Seal Ministries. I just bless you and ask you just to receive the love of the Lord at this time, uh, this open season we have in San Diego. Come together, San Diego, with Cass Taylor, FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K Praise. And we're back, uh, Judy and John Ross. Did I say Ross? I hope I did. I didn't say Floss because I do that also. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Cloud Nine Worship Center in Spring Valley. You know, we're talking about things that have gone on to set the stage for where we are now. Mm -hmm. And this whole radio show's title, Come Together San Diego, is built around the body of Christ within San Diego County coming together. But you need to kind of know the history of of that so that you can appreciate what God has done and is doing and will do. So uh, Judy and John Ross are here. We're kind of recalling some of the things that set set the stage for this. And uh, John and Judy, one of the things that I recall back in like uh, 2007, Billy Graham came to San Diego and really the first time that I can recall, churches actually got together intimately to participate without any preconceived notions about them being the the church of the environment. So um, you guys were involved in that as well. Um, but now I, I understand from you, John, that he was here. I, I don't didn't remember this in the seventies as well. Billy Graham, nineteen seventy six, and uh, he had a, a kind of a foul taste in his mouth about San Diego as being kind of dead and uh, n- no life here whatsoever. And one of our friends has said, "Yes, but we also believe in resurrection of the dead." So, <laughs> Ju- Judy, give us give us kind of an overview, and John, jump on in. Um. Well, I had a question. I had a thought, Talking too. To oh, sorry. Yeah. Is when was uh, Louis Palau here? Who? Louis Palau. Oh, Carlos Ondacandia. Oh, sorry. Oh, that was 1999. That was 1999 yeah. as well. So, yes. so, in, so, in, so in this early, early era yeah. before the 2000s, there was... A, yeah. Yes. Know. So that shift that took... He was talking about in 1976 when there were others that said they weren't going to be here. And as uh, John had mentioned about the intercession and those that were working in these areas... And um, then we had the outpouring in Toronto and so forth, and it was there was beginning to have a shift. And when Carlos Ondacandia came, um, that was very big in churches gathering up together for that those outdoor meetings that went on for how many days? Nine days. Nine wow. days, and um, it was in it was an incredible time. I think that was one of the larger events in all the years that we'd been here. To see that many churches coming yep. together, and it was about, and it, and it was with that heart of, you know, not what's in it for me, mm-hmm. but how can I serve? And that was a precursor to, from that time, by the time Billy Graham got here. Yes, um, in, 2007, was, in 2007, my understanding, and we're going to deal with this in future shows, but uh, I think 600 churches or so were, were in tandem with one another. These big, big, gigantic churches, small churches as well, coming together and without any preconceived notions about making my church great or my name great. We wanted to uh, magnify the name of the Lord. Yes. So tell us a little bit about what the Holy Spirit was doing on ground level there when Billy Graham was here. You sensed something was different, didn't you, John and Judy, when you were down there watching the activity going on? Well, you mean Billy Graham? Yes. 
uh, we were, yeah, we weren't in the altar, and um, the even Billy Graham himself remarked about what a change had taken place in San Diego from 1976 to 2007, and he was very impressed. And I think if he had lived longer, he might have come back again. Yes, and possibly packed out uh, mm-hmm. Jack Murphy Stadium. Yes, Judy recollections. It was incredible. It was just so beautiful to see because we have been here so long when there was just contention and and it was competition between churches and um, and even in our own uh, in in our church denomination, we remember the days where we would go to our district meetings or in our sexual meetings. And if you were talking to another minister from another town and they didn't know you, one of the first questions they say is, how big is your church? Mm-hmm. I'm so happy to say that's not the issue anymore. That isn't even repeated. Uh, that is not something that, and that's a shift in the mindset of pastors that that isn't what you judge by. That isn't what it is. And it is um, just that really seeking in obedience is your greatest um, marker of what a success is. Yes, and I've had an opportunity uh, to actually interview many of the people, the big pastors, the big churches that were involved in that uh, in 2007, Billy Graham, uh, hundreds of thousands of people. Grace, you know, the largest venue in San mm-hmm. Diego County history, the largest venue, including Super Bowls and, and, uh, mm-hmm. and World mm-hmm. Series things and things like that. That's absolutely amazing. You know, I was there because uh, I was called on to do some PR, and so I had the pass so I could walk around freely. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm walking the catwalk of, of uh, Qualcomm Stadium when their uh, music venue was going on. And so as I'm walking, you know, and which you looked at and you saw different churches in different sections, and as I walked along the catwalk, well, there were different pieces of music going on, and everybody was singing based on the words on the big, gigantic screen. But I walked around, and I could just... As I walked from one denomination section to a different denomination section, they were they sounded differently, but they blended together. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, because I had had and have a real heart cry for unity in the body of Christ in San Diego and beyond. And I said, this ap- actually could be, you know, uh, the starting stage for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I look back, many of the things that I have seen in San Diego County are really tied to that level of unity. And Judy, you really talk about it. It's not me, my church, and how big I am and what we're teaching today. It's what Holy Spirit is doing. And there are so so many, if we're willing to look for it, my listening friend, we'll find out many, many common denominators. And what God wants us to do is apply those common denominators in our church, but also our individual calling and find out how God wants to knit knit us together. Judy? It's you don't have to reinvent the wheel. <laughs> and that uh, every church has its own personality. It has its own giftings. It has its own strength. We've referred people, people in our church, we refer to them here or there, and we have gotten the same thing. We've had people come because another pastor has referred them uh, not to come and join our church, but, but because of um, whatever that we, we were teaching. There was a time for a while, if you wanted to be received, if you wanted to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, we would have pastors say, go to go to cloud nine, go see John and Judy. Yes. And we'd see them filled and then go back to their churches. That was great. Yes. There was, there's no, this is a body. And the, the sooner that we can really get a hold of that, that we are for each other, we build on um, those strengths. It only strengthens, strengthens the whole. 
And it is not, um, there are just those things that we're not particularly gifted in, but others are. Then if that's where your heart is, then receive from that, gather that. You know, one of the things the scripture talks about, the fields are white, ripe, and ready for harvest. Pray for the the harvesters of the field. And the, 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 the truth of the matter is, if everybody in San Diego County that is called to be brought to the Lord was activated. The church and church size is irrelevant. Well, I mean, nobody could, nobody could facilitate these people. So if we have the right vision as pastors and leaders, we go, you know, I I couldn't facilitate all that anyway. So other people that have different, different characters and different pieces of different personality traits that could, you know, be really speak to these people where I couldn't, and all of a sudden, the body of Christ is the body of Christ, and look out, world. Now, the Lord had spoken to John during these days about now we're building up uh, the saints for the work of the ministry. Yes, and that's the pur- that's the purpose. Then we're there to worship, to glorify the Lord, and then He builds us up for the work of the ministry. Yes, the ministry isn't just evangelism, pastor, or whatever. It's where you are to release what. The Lord has given Yes, you. John, uh, the perfecting of the saints, Ephesians, the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. We've got about three minutes left in this segment. Why don't you wax eloquently about how you're seeing that come together, the perfecting of the saints collectively for the work of the ministry. And, you you know, different churches and different pastors play different roles, but the whole, the whole vision is the church brought together. Well, going back to um, when I said we had the spiritual atmosphere that I didn't know what to do with it, and uh, but it was wonderful, and... I began to release people in the church in the prayer meeting and Sunday night service and so on. To um, uh, And after about three months, I didn't pray for anybody. I was feeling you know, left out, and I asked the Lord about it. And he said, well, now you're equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. I said, they're having fun. I said, this is it. This is how easy it is. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have to spend a bunch of money to go because I had gone to seminars. And he said, yep, this is it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've even had pastors from other churches come to some of our outbreak meetings. And uh, get touched with the Lord and take it back and and uh, and have even promoted some of our uh, guest speakers. Yes, they come you know uh, uh, when when they were in having church. So we 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 we've seen God do that and it's really wonderful. Yeah, and it takes the pressure off you as a pastor. Oh, oh my goodness! And yeah. Just know I'm just going to be listening and, and obedient to the Lord. Yep. And who He brings in, I, I just need I need to father them or mother them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and if He sends them somewhere else, that's fine too. That's right. It's God's plan. It's not mine, and it doesn't have to be my church or my uh, building insignia on the outside of it. It's It's Jesus. Jesus saves. Yeah. So God God has God has brought pastors and missionaries to us who who are going through a burnout period, whatever, and uh, and Lord has used us to speak into their life and pray for and minister to them. We've had missionaries go back out in the field when they weren't going to go back. Yes. Because of uh, what happened. Church. You know, now we're getting into some topics that a lot of pastors are just now learning about. It's called the kingdom age. Yes. It's, it's different yep. from the church yep. age. It's different from the, yes. the traditional yep. way of coming, you know, protecting your denomination and you're, you know, you're the, you're yep. the pastor and, and all these things have to come to pass in the way that my denomination does it. No, th- that there's still a little bit of that going on, no, no doubt. But really now the focus is the kingdom age where it's not me building my own denomination. It's Christ building right. his church. My listening friend, we're going to talk about that in greater detail in this uh, last segment of this hour. And uh, I think you're going to love it because you've been sensing in your heart of heart that God's doing something different. And it basically is the difference between church mentality and 
kingdom mentality. Yep. Right. And the Rosses and I are going to tell you more about that from our perspectives when we come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show with Kaz Taylor. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. And we are back with my co-host for this hour, and we're in the last segment of this hour, uh, Pastors John and Judy Ross of Cloud Nine Worship Center in Spring Valley. We, you know, we've talked, Judy and, and John, uh, about some interesting things about where, where San Diego has been. God has always had a big picture for San Diego, and uh, right now many believe, as, as do I, that this is becoming a prototype city for what He wants to do. But you know, the, the the churches and doing the church thing was part of the process. But we're transitioning from the church mentality into a kingdom mentality, and I'm hearing it being preached from the pulpit like never before. And, you know, the scripture talks about the gospel of the kingdom must be preached in all the world, and then the end shall come. And so this is a whole a whole, slightly different flavor of gospel message than just uh, this is the gospel of my denomination. This is the gospel right. of salvation, which is absolutely mandatory. But within that is also the gospel of the kingdom. And the focus now is becoming the gospel of the kingdom, a broader brushstroke. Right. So, John, you were talking a little bit about um, language changes. And so when oftentimes when different, you know, when you look from one generation to another, they the vernacular changes. And it's also true when the God and through Holy Spirit changes um, different uh transitions you're going to people refer to things differently so you noticed as you were watching this a language change why don't you talk a little bit about that well being a pastor i'm a little bit more aware sometimes of language change and so you know for for most of my early uh walk with the lord it was about going to somebody's church or a church going to church on sunday and having a church service whatever and then gradually the language began to change to where people began to realize wait a minute um, church is not a building. If you look at Scripture, Ecclesia, they called out once, the, the, the church is the people. And so then people began to say, well, we are the church, but we meet mm-hmm. at such and such a location. And so, so, so that was one of the changes I saw in language. Another change I saw, too, is that back in the day, you had a church and you had a pastor, mm-hmm. and you had a staff, and then depending on the size of the church. And then uh, more recently, I've noticed that has gone from senior pastor with staff pastors to the senior pastor is now called a lead pastor. Mm-hmm. And I had to, actually, this year I had to change my language, how I thought about that. And then uh, then we went from, uh, also back in the 80s and 90s, we were still doing the senior pastor set up with the pastor. But then um, it began to change because apostles Prophets began to get recognized in the 80s. Apostles began to get recognized in the late 90s. And so now you have many churches that are led by a, a an apostle-prophet team. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. that's the uh, the husband and wife team are acting as apostles and prophets. And I remember hearing years ago people saying that, well, the church can't really go and do what is kingdom stuff until uh, the body recognizes apostles and prophets and and they need to be the ones who lead the yes. church. Yes. Well, right. and 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 that, that there's really some meat in what you say there. God's restoring the entire book of Acts chapter yes. 2 church yes. mentality that we kind of let slide over the millennia. Yes. You know, and now he's 
he's coming back and he wants to have a church that fits his pattern, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. And so that's a remarkable thing. But, you know, we, we've seen the different progression, not only in the vernacular in a church environment, but the manner in which a church business is done. And you and Judy, during the break, we mentioned an activity or a ministry outreach that was going on that really crossed denominational lines. It's called The Call with Lou Engle, and that really crossed the, the, over different min, de, denominations as well. And wasn't it, John, during, uh, what was it called, uh, Azusa Now? Azusa Now. Yeah, and that that happened recently, but people were at, at the uh, the stadium, U, USC? A couple of years ago, yeah, yeah USC, USC um, Stadium. Uh, and that, and I, I went to this thing, and I think you, I saw you, you know, and yeah. one of the things, it's funny, you went to San Diego. Were you, you on the bus with us? Oh, that's right. I went with you, you went. on the bus up yeah. all the way yeah, up there. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> and to have to be on the yes. bus with these wild and crazy people, and I'm so, you know, <laughs> muted, know. muted and restrained. So <laughs> but that was a great time, and, and looking around the stadium and seeing San Diego people all yes. over the place, yep. Yep. Uh, that was remarkable. But there were people, Orange County, they were coming from all over the place. And one of the things that you many tr- pastors are not aware of is th- they, they were different generations of people a lot of time oh, yeah. when you're a pastor you you know yep. you have the white haired set or you have the the young uh millennial set or the, anything in between or younger mm-hmm. uh and here it was an uh, across across the board different wild and crazy people just with one focus and that is to pursue god and be willing to pray and intervene mm-hmm. did well. did you notice that at that event that when they would call someone up and they would We'd go into the prayer together when they would pray. Every time they, prayer was happening, it would rain. Do you remember <laughs> wow. that? Yes, I do, in fact. And then if, if when the rain stopped, I mean, when the prayer would stop, it would stop raining. Yes. And, and it never was just a hard downpour, but it was that rain. And I just had to laugh at God is so visual and just, you know, it, and it was just like speaking so strongly. That that coming together. Now we're back to that kingdom. Yes. That's when we're in kingdom mode. This is true unity. Yes. And before that, when it was just church, it was just so much everybody out for themselves, mm-hmm. really. And but in kingdom, it's kingdom. That's true unity. Yes. When we really embrace that, when we really learn it, when we really are able to operate in that. There isn't anything that can be denied us on this earth. And it's it's just across the board, whatever it is. Yes. Go to politics. It doesn't, the ec- economy. It isn't anything that we can't touch uh, when in unity, but where real unity is, is in kingdom uh, mentality, approach, heart, um, that we're here for one another. Yes, yeah, so and let me ask you a question. Judy, you have a real prophetic bent. I, I've known this about you. You mm-hmm. you proclaim things. You, you, you're not shy. <laughs> no, she's not. <laughs> and John says amen. Well, let me give you, ask you, to, we have a couple, about two, couple minutes left in this segment, but what I want you to do is t- take a look through the spyglass and look into the not-too-distant future, but what do you sense that God is doing here, and where is this uh, level of unity and kingdom going to take us, and then John kind of, you and I will chime in, but give, give us, what, what's your anticipation of the things that are right on the verge? The Lord is so pleased with the heart of the San Diego region that 
has has shifted. It has yielded. It has not just been stuck in its way. This is the way we've always done it, so this is the way we're going to do it. The Lord is really pleased with that. And in that pleasure, he is able and desires to, and now can we we can be trusted with what he wants to release. Say that again. We can be trusted. We can be trusted for what he wants to release. With what he wants to release. And what he wants to release is not just going to impact San Diego. It's but I've seen it in a vision where it was here, it went up the coast, um, in California, all the way up the coast, and then it went across the nation. And in that was such a uh of course a harvest, but an awakening um, and it was a quick thing because the foundation is there. The foundation is there in the church, but is that lifting that veil off of the eyes of the church and to really see and realize who she is and what she can accomplish and what the Lord desires for her. And He is. it is his good pleasure to do that. And he is delighted that we are hungry for that in San Diego and that he is going to be able to launch yes. that. There's so much that he's going to launch from San Diego. And one of the things that I see, and this really dovetails nicely into the next segment, uh, one of uh, our the great teachers in San Diego County is known in the Catholic environment, but not so much in uh, the Protestant environment. And he's going to be with me in this next hour. His name is Dr. Bill Creasy. And what I see what God doing in the body of Christ, it's not necessarily one leading denomination That's or right. another. It is a conglomeration, if you will, of different denominations and Catholic brothers and sisters right. and different, uh, you know, denomination, different denominational people. But when when they get side by side with one another, you can h- hardly even tell that they are right. of any denominational difference because they <laughs> love one another. Yes. Ooh. We had a lady in our church. This was some years ago. She was not raised Catholic, but she came to us and she says, the Lord is leading me to go to this Catholic church. And I said, Okay, can you tell me about that? And she says, well, I'm supposed to go, and I, she had been to this Bible study in a group, and she goes, I'm, I, I'm to teach about the Holy Spirit. And I said, go, go, go for it. Go, go for, for it. it. Go you know, do what, it. And God, she yeah. did exactly Exactly. That. God is blending different people that mm-hmm. would be, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day, you're not allowed to go to that church, or you're not allowed mm-hmm. to go to that church because we don't believe things exactly the same way. And God's saying, I'm bigger than that. I'm bigger than that. My listening friend, I want to just thank uh, Judy and John Ross, uh, Cloud Nine Worship (laughs) Center. Yes. And uh, thank you for joining us and sharing us the insights on the history of what's been going on in San Diego. But I'm going to follow on that same uh, trademark talking about history because our next co-host for the next hour is a guy who knows all about history. In fact, he's a historian of sorts, but he's also a remarkable Bible teacher. And he's going to talk. We talk about the history of San Diego. We're going to back up a little bit and talk about the history uh, of uh, the the birth of Jesus and some perspectives that my friend, you probably haven't heard of before. John and Judy, thank you for joining me. My listening friend, uh, Dr. Bill Creasy is with me for the next hour. And John and Judy, thanks for joining us. My listening friend, do not go away because we will be right abaca. <laughs> this is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. 
KPRZ, San Marcos Poway, and K29CR Encinitas. FM 106.1, North County. AM 1210, San Diego. K-Praise. I'll tell the world. Come together, San Diego, with Cash Taylor on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. I'll tell the world, world, world. And we're back. And, uh, you know, the Bible, we know, is an inspirational book, but we also know that the Bible is historical. We also know that it's a powerful literary work. And uh, my next co-host for this entire second hour is a guy who blends those three aspects of the Bible together like none I've ever seen or heard before. The inspirational book, the historical book, and the literary work as well. I want you to meet my co-host for this hour. and been a friend of mine for a long time, Dr. Bill Creasy. How you doing, Bill? I'm doing great. Good to be here in studio with you, Cows. Well, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. And you also uh, head up the Logos Bible Study. One of the bi-phrases that you use to that is, is uh, creating educated reason, re- readers of Scripture. And uh, that that's a remarkable thing. And I've been in some of your classes. I've observed these people. And when you start teaching, my friend, if you ever, ever, ever see Jaws drop, it happens when uh, Bill goes on his ex- escapades around Scripture and he brings out things I'm going, where did he get that? So uh, we're excited to have you deal with us today. But let's start a little bit by talking a little bit about you, and then we're going to dive in. We're going to talk about uh, the Christmas story like you. <laughs> I've already heard pieces of this, and so you're going to hear some things that perhaps you have not heard before. A little bit of uh, uh, overview about the Dr. Bill Creasy, and then we'll jump on in, Okay. Okay, good, cows. Well, where to begin? <laughs> I know. <laughs> begin at the beginning. Um, I taught at UCLA for 28 years in the English department. My PhD is in medieval, late medieval, early Renaissance literature. And when I arrived at UCLA, um, there was a class, the English Bible as Literature, and they needed someone to staff it. The English? The English Bible, Bible as, as Literature. literature. It was a three-quarter class, an entire academic year, Old Testament, New Testament, and special topics. So I was the new guy, and I got the class. (laughs) (sighs) Well, the first quarter, I had about maybe a dozen people. And then within a few years, I had a lecture hall with 200 people. Yes. And it was extraordinary. And I began at that time to teach, mash the whole thing together, and teach through the entire Bible in one year, Genesis to Revelation. And and that's, that's where it started. And uh, uh, the classes went well at UCLA. And at a local church, St. Paul the Apostle, I knew the pastor well. And he said to me, uh, I'd like you to start a Bible class at our church on Monday morning at 7 o'clock. Well, who wants to do that? Monday morning at 7 o'clock? And I didn't want to do it. But uh, he was a friend. And I said, all right, I'll do it under one condition that I can teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, Genesis to Revelation. Verse by verse? Verse by verse. Dr. Creasy, that's a pretty major, well, major task. I thought that would kill the deal. <laughs> who wants to teach at 7 o'clock Monday morning, right? <laughs> and who would come? And, uh, well, he said, okay, to my surprise. And we began the class. We opened on Monday morning at 7 o'clock. I thought, well, there'll be 15, 18 mm-hmm. people, and after a month or two, it'll dwindle to four, and then it will go away. <laughs> but... The very first morning, we had over 200 people My goodness. sitting in class. And that class went on. It only met for one hour. That class went on for 12 years. Mm-hmm. 12 years. We opened another on Monday evening. 
And within three years, I was teaching every night of the week, every night of the week and Saturday morning in L.A., Orange County, San Diego, and Friday evening, Phoenix, Arizona. I flew over to Phoenix to teach. By 1995, we had 6,000 people a week taking Bible classes. It was extraordinary. Yes. The Holy Spirit was doing enormous, massive things. And is this where you, you began the Logos Bible study? Did that come as a result of this? It did. Uh-huh. It did. It needed structure. Yes. And I started Logos, uh, Logos Educational Corporation, and Logos Bible Study is a portion of that. Yes. And one of the things I really appreciate about Dr. Creasy, because I've been watching him for a long time. In fact, he's been kind enough to ask my video production uh, uh, company, which I partner with a guy named Bill Gruber, to, to do video productions. He's invited us to videotape certain things. I think it was the Portrait The portrait of, portrait of Jesus series. Yes. And, oh, yeah, that was on a, on a Saturday, all day Saturday. Yes. And you were there, and you had the camera we had a set chance. up. And we, watched, really I, we had a chance to watch him wax eloquently, but also I had an opportunity to look at the faces of the people, and they were just spellbound by what the, the manner in which you, you taught this, because you don't just teach, and the Scripture says this, the end, let's go to a different Scripture. You say, here's what the Scripture says. Now, what in the world did this look like? And so you spend time actually painting the canvas of what it looked like behind the scenes. Well, I think the, an important thing for a teacher, whether it's teaching the Bible or teaching anything, is to bring the subject alive yes. in the Bible. These are great world-class stories. <laughs> and sure I'm are. a literature teacher, right? <laughs> so you make the characters come alive. And after a while, people feel like they know Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, yes. David. You know, bring them alive. That's what it's about. So I'm going to ask you for the remainder of the show to actually bring the sub the subject matter of the Christmas story alive, but not only the Christmas story, but what led up to the Christmas story, the prophetical things that happened in advance of that. And one of the things that gives you such great uh, credibility is you're you're not just talking about the Holy Land as a distant, faraway place. You spend many many weeks, years, what I don't know how much, but you spend a lot of time in Israel. Do you not? I, I do, and I have a teaching tour. They're all teaching tours. They're not shop and shrine tours. They're <laughs> teaching tours. Every We begin in Galilee. We land in Tel Aviv. We drive up to Galilee. So we have breakfast in San Diego, dinner on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Oh, my goodness. And the next morning, we start at the Mount of Beatitudes, and I begin a story. And every site we go to, the story develops. Yes. So it's a, it's a linear narrative. Mm-hmm. And every site, we don't try to do everything. Do two major sites in the morning, one in the afternoon, be back at the hotel by four. And when you read scripture, and, and, and a lot of times... And you can it, see it. Yeah, yeah, well, you can actually see it. But what, what you do, because I've had a chance to listen to this, but not, not only can they see it, you go, okay, now let's put you in the middle of this picture. What did it look like for you? You know, you, you're, you're wearing sandals, and the, and the rocks are getting in between the sandals and your toes. And what's that look like? And these, uh, these guys, you know, they, they had this diet, so their breath wasn't that great. I mean, yeah. you're too funny. You're just yeah. absolutely funny. Well, you know, when, <laughs> when you read the Bible... You read black words on a white page. Yes. But when you go to Israel on a teaching tour and you're there where the things actually happen, you read the Bible in Technicolor and Dolby Sound. My it boy. changes everything. It does. We're going on January 4th. I have a teaching tour to Israel. That will be my 59th teaching tour to Israel. My Well, well, well since you mentioned it, why don't you give a, a website so people can find out more about that because may, maybe you're going to get some people signing up. Because once, My friend, once you hear him teach, you'll go... 
I want him in that environment. So well, that, tell, how do people get that'd be to good. that My website is logosbiblestudy.com. Logosbiblestudy.com. And it actually shows a lot of some of this, it, uh, excerpts of some of the teachings and things like it that does. as well? It does. We have Very videos good. and uh, everything's there. Okay. Everything's there. So Dr. Bill Creasy, can we spend the rest of the hour uh, at putting on our Technicolor glasses and putting on our stereo headsets and listening from your perspective, not only the story of the Christmas story, but what led up to this. It's a remarkable story. I've heard pieces of it from him, and I was excited to have him say yes to come into the studio. So my friends, Dr. Bill Creasy, Logos Bible Study teacher extraordinaire, and Kaz will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. And we are back with one of my favorite people in the universe, Dr. Bill Creasy. Uh, Logos Bible Study is his, uh, uh, the, the name of the organization through which he does his teaching. And I'll tell you what, we're going to do some things. I have to giggle a little bit because I know what's coming a little bit because I know the character of the guy. And... Uh, he, 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 he's a teacher that commands attention because of the manner in which he teaches. He uses examples and, uh, and examples that may be uh, unheard of, which commands your attention. You know, we're going to be telling you the untold story of Christmas uh, with the Bible teacher. We call him the Bible teacher extraordinaire, Dr. Bill Creasy. And uh, it's not going to take long for you to realize that he sees things a different way and he helps you see things a different way so that these things about the truths of the Bible stick. But uh, Bill, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, the, 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 the birth story, but the birth story of Jesus does not begin in the, um, the uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It, I, it's all prepared way back when. And I'm going to hand the baton to you, uh, Dr. Bill Creasy, as you talk about the way back when. <laughs> okay, well, that's correct, Kaz. As I teach Scripture, and I always teach not a particular book, uh, not a particular topic, but the entire Bible, Genesis to Revelation, and I have four basic principles for teaching Scripture. Number one, the Bible is rooted in geography. The land is really important, the place, the geography of the Bible. The Bible emerges from history. These are real people in real times and real places who did real things. And we have to know that history if we're to understand the story. The Bible, in its final finished form, as we have it between two covers, is a unified literary work. The curtain goes up in Genesis, down in Revelation. There's a linear narrative in between with recapitulation. So if we're going to turn back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. That's way ahead in the narrative, right? So we need to know what happened for Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John sure. to be there. So what you're you know? saying is you want to get the, the genesis of things. Oh, wait oh, a minute. Oh, There's that, a book by that same name. Well, that was pretty good. Like, <laughs> let's, let's go back to Genesis. Well, let's do. When, when God created the heavens and the earth and everything in them, including humanity, man and woman, he said, it is very good. It was good, perfect, and complete. And then in Genesis chapter 3, something goes wrong. Sin enters the world. And we define sin not as an act that one commits, but a condition one is in, a condition of alienation and separation from God that manifests itself in outward sinful action. In other words, 
had I been in a right relationship with God, I wouldn't have held up the 7-Eleven. Yeah, right. right? So how does that happen? Genesis chapter 3. Now, the serpent, Nachash, not a snake slithering about, but Nachash, a shining one, a glorious creature. And the serpent was more crafty, more subtle, more shrewd than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Eve, and can you hear his voice? Did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Why, I can hardly believe that. And the woman said to the serpent, well, we we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, Mm -hmm. or you will die. Well, God never said, He never said, don't touch it. No, no. Which creates an opening for Nachash. And I can just see him touching the tree, leaning against it, and saying, you won't die. So, so touch it. And of course, since die. God didn't say it, she misunderstood yeah. what God said. So she touches it and she doesn't die while so, she goes, so, yeah. <laughs> you, you won't die. In fact, if you eat of this tree, you'll be like us. A shining one. A glorious one. So the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some and ate it. She ate it. Well, and then she went off lustily looking for Adam and brought the apple to him. No. And she gave some to her husband who was with her. Mm-hmm. He was right there. Yes. Right there with her. What he should have done is said to Nachash, hey, you want her? You got to come through me, buddy. Wow. He didn't do it. So, and he was the first Adam. Yes. And we're going to get to we're the point to the second Adam. And the yes. second Eve. Yes. I right? like that. And uh, so they ate it. And, and what was it, an apple? Well, no. The problem wasn't the fruit on the tree. It was the pear on the ground, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> I told you, folks. <laughs> so, anyway, so they eat of the fruit. And what they did was say, I know what God wants, but I don't care. I want what I want. Yes. And that was a fracture, a fissure in the story and, and in their relationship with God. And sure enough, God said, did you do this? And they had all the excuses why they, why they did it. She, and Adam said, well, the woman that you gave me, yeah. it's all your fault, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> the mm-hmm. woman you gave me. And Eve said, well, the serpent made me do it. And God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He, her offspring, will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Mm-hmm. The early church fathers reading this said, this is speaking of the offspring of the woman who would come, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will defeat the serpent. And who is the serpent? Turn back to Revelation 20, that ancient serpent who is the devil yes. or Satan. Mm-hmm. That's him. So right there in Genesis 3.15, we have our very first foreshadowing mm-hmm. of a person who will come who will resolve this conflict of sin mm-hmm. and do away with it. Indeed, he would defeat sin and death. Yes, and you mentioned if, if Adam was 
write about this thing, he would have said, you got to go through me first. That's right. And, but he was so uh, inclined uh, by the wiles of not only the, the, the serpent, or, but also his wife encouraging him. And he, he, he didn't make the stand he was supposed to make. To make. And so it, the, the first Adam failed miserably, opening the door to the birth and introduction of the last Adam. And, and, and what was the real problem with, with Adam? Was it a lack of faith? No, it was a lack of courage, a lack Ooh. of courage. He, he is the head of his family. And his job, when that family is threatened, to say, you got to come through me, buddy. And he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. He, he buckled, yep. and he didn't do it. So a lot of times, what I like to do in the show, Bill, is to take all these different uh, examples and relate them to our believing friends that are listening to shows like this. And my friend, you know, we all have an opportunity when we get tempted on different things to say, yeah, um, I'll acquiesce to what you want and I'll, I'll change my life later uh, when I'm more holy. But the truth of the matter is it has to stop w- with you through your relationship with the Lord. He solved it and through him you can solve it too. Now let's take a little bit of time going into some of the other scriptures. We have time to go into maybe one other Old Testament book to talk about the prophetic utterances about this coming second Adam or last Adam or Jesus, the one who's going to... Okay. Okay, let me do it. Let me turn up to, uh, well, one we all know, Isaiah 7 yes. and verse 14. And this is important. The history is important. Uh, Isaiah, one of the four major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. It's important to understand, really important to understand, that a prophet doesn't look down the corridor of time, 500, 1,000 years, and say, oh, I see Jesus coming. A prophet always, 100% of the time, speaks into his own historical context all the time, 100% of the time. So what you're saying is he used... In Isaiah 7, okay, what's going on in Isaiah? Isaiah is a prophet from, 680, uh, from 740 to 686. Mm-hmm. That's his operating period. And the Assyrian Empire is on the rise. The Assyrian Empire is on the rise. And Ahaz, king of the southern kingdom of Judah... Uh, is being threatened by the northern kingdom of Israel in an alliance with Syria to the north. And he's afraid. And Isaiah said, you have nothing to be afraid about with the northern kingdom and Syria, Aram. Forget it. Those guys aren't even going to be around. you got way bigger problems. <laughs> Up north, northern Iraq of today, the Assyrian Empire is on the rise like a gigantic storm cloud. And... Syria and Israel won't even exist. And Ahaz says, I don't believe it. That couldn't possibly be. I want a sign. And Isaiah says, you want a sign? I'll give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and she will call him Emmanuel. Mm. The word virgin is Alma, young woman, will be with child, give birth to a son, and call him Emmanuel. That will be the sign. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, chapter 8 Isaiah goes to his wife, she conceives, gives birth to a son, and before that boy can say mama or papa, the Assyrian Empire obliterates Aram and the Lord yes. That's the prophecy. But when the gospel writers witness the birth of Jesus and hear of the birth of mm-hmm. Jesus, Mary as a virgin. And where have we seen this they before? Say, it's just <laughs> like what happened back there. Yes. So it's not Isaiah saying, I see Jesus coming. No, he's speaking to his own historical context. That's so good. But that's often a foreshadowing. And I want to make a real distinction between, I, I don't want to call it prophecy. 
I'd rather call it foreshadowing mm-hmm. events. And there are hundreds of those foreshadowings. Oh, absolutely. And well. when you understand the character of God, I've realized that God does not speak linearly. He speaks cyclically as in circles. In other words, the things that happened yesterday impact us today, which impact us in the future as well. When we can comprehend that, and the Hebrews, the Jewish mentality allows for this. We Gentiles don't allow for this. We go uh, A equals B, the yeah. end. Yeah. And, and, and these, the Hebrew scholars could look back and go, okay, that's a pattern. That's an uh, illustration for things to come. Wait a minute. That happened then? Nothing new under the sun. <laughs> Nothing new under the sun, Kaz. Wow. And so we're going to take a little bit of a break here. But now we've uh, spent a little bit of time in Old Testament scripture, Isaiah, and in Genesis to set the stage for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as a baby. And we're going to walk through the story like perhaps you've never heard before. I I know pieces of where Dr. Creasy goes on this story, and you're going to absolutely love it, because the story of the birth of Jesus happens before the birth of Jesus happens with uh, the mom and dad, uh, the natural mom and dad, and the and and God in, in the heavens as well, and how this is all tied together is remarkable. So Dr. Bill Creasy and I will be back as he unleashes the Christmas story that in a way that perhaps you've never heard before. Are you ready to to come back and do that, Dr. Creasy? I would love to huh? do that, Okay, Kaz. my we friends, do don't go too far away because we'll be right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. This is Rob Stark, pastor of Lampladder Revival Center. There's a time and a season we're entering right now where the new wine is being released and we all get to drink of it. Now, more of Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Hey there. You know, how many times have you anticipated an event and then the actual occurrence was quite different from what you expected? Well, when you dig into Scripture to discern what it was like at the... uh, the birth of Jesus, perhaps what you anticipated from what you've heard and the real story may be slightly different. You know, we're going to switch. We've spent some time with binoculars looking out from Genesis and uh, Isaiah. We're going to switch from binoculars to the microscope and we're going to join with uh, our uh, co-host for this hour, uh, doctor and teacher Bill Creasy for the but I would say a unique look at the Gospels and the birth of Christ. Bill, uh, why don't you start with the, the Joseph and Mary aspect, and then we'll work into uh, what happened and uh, the birth of Jesus, because we've got about a half hour, the, la- the last half hour of the show, I, I would like us to focus on that. So um, Dr. Bill Creasy and Joseph and Mary, drum roll, please. Okay. I, I would like to begin uh, with the Annunciation. Okay. Um, we we ended Genesis chapter 3 with Eve eating of the fruit, Adam not having the courage mm-hmm. to confront Satan and say, no, no. He lacked the courage. It wasn't faith. It was courage. Here in the Annunciation story, we read in Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse uh, 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, 
And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. She's in Nazareth. Now, if you've been to Israel, Nazareth is on a finger ridge in the Jezreel Valley. It's about, oh, 90-some miles northwest of Jerusalem. And at the time, Nazareth was a village of maybe no more than 200 people Mm -hmm. in the backwaters, out in the boonies. And Mary is there, and she's maybe 14, 15 years old. And suddenly, this angel appears to her. And we think, oh, angel Hallmark card. (laughs) Angels are awesome, fearsome creatures. Gabriel, Michael, these are angels in the book of Daniel, and they are warrior-like figures. Mm -hmm. And he suddenly appears and says, greetings. Well, Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of message this might be. What's she thinking? They're all, angels are always represented as male, awesome figures, and she's a young girl. This is the Middle East. This, this is a very different culture. She's afraid. She's afraid. What could this be? But the angel said to her, fear not. Mm-hmm. That's always what angels say, by the way. <laughs> if an angel appears to you, he'll say, fear, fear not, not, because uh, your, your knees yes, are buckling right. and your head is yes. to the ground. <laughs> fear not. You have found favor with God. You will be with child. And give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. Well, what, how do you think Mary reacted to that? Oh, isn't that wonderful? Yeah. I'm going to be the mother of, <laughs> of, of I don't think so. No. But you know, we, we don't think too much about that when we read the story. No, but if you go back to Deuteronomy, you find that if a, if a woman who is betrothed to a man becomes pregnant by someone else, she is taken to the town gate and stoned to death. Mm-hmm. Every little girl knew that, and Mary did too. Well, are you going to say yes to this? She's in love with Joseph. They're betrothed. That's way more than an engagement. That's a binding legal mm-hmm. contract between families. And they're, now she's going to have a child. What do you say to Joseph? And again, this is the Middle East. Yes. Even today, this would be scandalous so she, in a she, rural area in the Middle East. So she was doing the math on this. Oh, and, yeah. And you can understand why she's, why well, she's fearful. She's afraid of who this figure might be. And now there's real trepidation. And uh, Mary said, how will this be since I'm a virgin? How will this be? Like, what are the mechanics of this? You know, <laughs> how's this going to work? And this is the first time in Scripture an angel blushes. He, he said, uh, well, well, you, uh, uh, well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will shadow you. And the Holy One will be uh, the Son of God. Oh, and by the way, you know Elizabeth? And he changes the subject. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and how does that work? And we were talking at our, at our break here about diving, scuba diving. And, and as you know, I was obsessed by it. Yes. It became an obsession with me. And we were diving in the Egyptian Red Sea one summer. And uh, and I was down at about, about 110 feet under the water. Beautiful day. The water was 100 feet of visibility easily. And I was moving along the bottom, maybe five feet off the bottom, and my shadow was in front of me. And I turned and looked up, and I could see the sun rays coming down through the water. 
Now, when I rolled off the boat and hit the water, I punched a hole right in that water and dropped down through the water column. But when I looked up, I understood how the virginal conception worked. As I punched a hole through the water coming in it, but the light came right through the water and never disturbed it. Mm-hmm. That is such an incredible mm. image. And So you're saying the... the what scripture talking about the overshadowing of the, the, overshadowing Holy, Spirit. Of the Holy, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was not uh, an interruption. No, at all. No, it, just like sunlight it, goes it, through the way exactly. through the ocean without exactly. causing it, a stir. Exactly, and I, I, th- I think that's, that's such a perfect, beautiful, image. perfect image. And so Gabriel waits. He waits for an answer. Mary doesn't have to say yes, but she said, "I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said." St. Bernard of Clairvaux wrote a series of sermons on this for Advent. And he said, in that pause between uh, Gabriel saying, for nothing is impossible with God, and Mary's answer, it's between verses 37 and 38, there is a pregnant pause. If you would. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, I am the Lord's servant. And with that, all the angels in heaven let out a lot. Oh, sigh, oh, thankfully, oh, because if she had said no, cancel Christmas. It's not yeah, coming, exactly. right? Exactly. Wow. And, and, you know, a lot of times God gives the, the people whom he has plans for the opportunity to say yes or no. Always. Oh, yeah. Always. God will never force himself on you. It's a relationship of love. You cannot force a relationship with love. You can only desire it. Mm-hmm. You can't force it. You can't force someone to love you, you know? And you can't force... God can't force you to love him. He cannot force you to sit here at a microphone sure. on a Saturday night and do this for two hours. Mm-hmm. You have to accede to his desire. And when, you know, I, we look, I, I'm looking now at the bigger picture about the things that he has in store in these last days, and you go, how is it going to come to pass? And Mary had a chance to say yes or no. Exactly. And we have a chance, my listening friend, to say yes or no to God's bidding as well. He's tre- and it, but it's not based on what the scripture demands. It's based on the relationship. It's a relationship. Yes. And that's critical. You know, we so often think of our relationship with God as, uh, um, well, it's something that scripture says I have to do yes. and it's an obligation. Or No, it it. it it's choosing to enter into a relationship. Can we talk about the relationship? Because there were several relationships going on at this time. There was not only the relationship with the angel and Mary, but there, in fact, was a relationship with, with Joseph and Mary as well. And so there must have been some challenging times uh, to, oh. to explain things as well, wouldn't you say? We've got about two minutes of this segment, but I, I want to bring this part to a close so we can get into the okay. actual. Okay, well, we could go back to Matthew and find out, we, find out what... You know, Joseph has to be told. <laughs> How's Mary going to tell Joseph? And again, this is a an a two thousand year old Middle Eastern culture. She could be stoned to death. He could be terribly offended, heartbroken, and it wouldn't and bode demand. well for his reputation either. No, it would be shameful for him. <laughs> and uh, so, what does he do? Well, she had to tell him. Yes. And wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall for that? And we read that as soon as she tells him, she leaves. She can't stay in Nazareth. She leaves. And can you see her with her little blue suitcase? Mm. A 15-year-old 
unmarried, pregnant teenager leaving Nazareth, walking down the hill to the Jezreel Valley. And where can she go? Yes. The only person who would know anything, have any idea, is Elizabeth. And that's where she goes. Because Elizabeth is also pregnant, quite miraculously, in her old age, with John the Baptist. And Elizabeth is her relative. So she leaves. And Joseph is heartbroken. Yes. He had a mind to divorce her quietly. And she's gone. And she stays with Elizabeth until the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Uh, beginning of the sixth month. And stays until John the Baptist is born. Three months. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth convinces her to go back. And she does. She's afraid. Joseph knows nothing. He has no idea where she went. It's not like he can text her. So she goes back. Gabriel comes to Joseph in a dream. Mm-hmm. And he understands. Oh my God, I lost her. I don't even know where she is. And then... <laughs> There she is at the door oh my, my. with her little blue suitcase. And she comes in, and the hankies come out, and they cry. And wouldn't you love to be there? Yes, but when you have an angelic intervention, you tend to pay closer attention, don't you? <laughs> exactly you do. when that Gabriel you said, you know, that you this, is, this, is a, this is a plan. This is pre-planned. Go yeah. for it. Yeah. <laughs> so Mary's back home yes. in Nazareth. Pregnant. And now, pregnant. And now we wait for the birth. Okay. But there'll be a problem. And we'll see what it is. That's right. My listening friend, I hope you are as engrossed in this as I am. I know you are. And there is a problem. And we're going to see how God reconciles this with Joseph and Mary to, uh, shall we say, launch the Christmas story. (laughs) We're getting close to Christmas, but there's so much history in this. And I wanted you to uh, have the benefit of hearing uh, Dr. Bill Creasy's perspective on this. And uh, we're going to explore more on what this really looked like in that day, but how it impacts us in this day when uh, Dr. Bill Creasy and Kaz come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show with Cass Taylor. FM 106.1 and AM 1210, K-Praise. I'm here with co-host uh, Bill Creasy. I call him Dr. Bill, and uh, he has some remarkable insights, but these are not insights that just came upon him instantly. He's been studying to show himself approved a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing, rightly dividing the word of truth. So, Dr. Bill Creasy, pleasure to have you with me. We, my listening friend, at the com- at the commercial break, we talked about the, the life and lifestyle of Joseph and Mary during these times, and we talked about there were some surprising things. I'd like to maybe term this uh, danger and the manger. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna say we're gonna talk a little bit about the danger and the manger, and then le- and leave it to Dr. Bill Creasy to uh, bail me out on my. I'm going to steal that phrase (laughs) danger in the manger I like it so we have Mary back in Nazareth with Joseph a small little town Mary's a teenager 13 to 15 years old pregnant and uh, then we come to Luke chapter 2 it's about time for that child to be born and we read in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Well, that's not unusual. 
nations take census all the time. We do one every 10 years. You need to know how many people we have, where they are, so you can deal with their infrastructure and all the rest. But they had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Bethlehem's about seven kilometers south of Jerusalem, a suburb today of Jerusalem, about a 90-some-mile trip. And they have to go, and Mary is nine months pregnant. So traveling... Traveling. Over those roads. Over those roads. And they were good roads. Yeah. The Romans had over 58,000 miles of roads. They were yes. pretty good. But they were bumpy. A rockier or there. And we always have a picture of her riding on a little donkey. No, she didn't ride on a donkey. Uh, did you ever ride a donkey? <laughs> it's like riding a motorcycle with knobby tires on the freeway. The donkey would pull the cart that brought the baggage, and mm-hmm. she would doubtless be sitting on a pillow in the cart, right, mm-hmm. on, on, on blankets. But they had to make that trip, and it was a hard trip. Mm-hmm. Being nine months, being nine pregnant. months pregnant, yeah, really? yeah. And but they had to go to Bethlehem uh, again. Why did they have to go? Well, when we voted recently, and you have to vote in the place where you're registered. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm registered up in Los Angeles, but now I live down here. So you have so, to. So I have to drive to Los on Angeles. Those rocky roads. Yeah, same thing. Same thing. <laughs> so. Uh, they, uh, they head for Bethlehem, and they come to the town, and it's really time for that baby to be born. She's been traveling on a donkey cart 100 miles almost, right? The baby's going to be born, like, right now. <laughs> but because everyone's in transit, uh, there's no room for them a- at the inn. Uh, think of it as a caravan sar- sarai, uh, not, a, not a holiday inn, right? It, it's a... <laughs> an, an enclosed courtyard where travelers could stay and, and the animals would be fed and they had uh, places to eat. And, mm-hmm. But it's crowded. Yes. And she's going to give birth. She want, does she want to give birth in, in a courtyard in front of 50 people? No. And the, the, the keeper of the, uh, of, the, of the Sarai, I think, was quite kind to say that, uh, n- no, I have a place in the back, a stable, a cave, perhaps, in the back, that would be much more private. And, uh, and I'm sure my wife would ha- be happy to help as a midwife. So she goes back there, and she's going to give birth in a manger. Danger in the manger. <laughs> yeah, it was good. And she's going to give, give birth. If, if you were Mary and you knew that you were giving birth to God's son, don't you think she might be thinking, well, couldn't, God have arranged a suite at Cedar Sinai Hospital or something, you know, not danger in a manger. Right? <laughs> but sure enough, uh, the, the baby is born, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and placed him in the manger. A manger. If you think back to high school French, manger to eat, it's a feeding trough. Mm-hmm. And it had straw in it, and they placed him in that. And, and that was it. And... Uh, you wonder what she was thinking. What was Joseph thinking? Yes. Um, it was cold. San Diego and Israel are on the same are on the same latitude. Latitude. So whatever the weather is here in San Diego, it will be very much like that in Israel. In Tel Aviv on the coast, it will be like San Diego. Uh, Galilee, it will be like Escondido. Uh, Jerusalem will be like Alpine because it's 2,500 feet above sea level. Hmm. So say that again. I mean, our listening friends need to hear this. They've, I know they've never heard this before. Yeah. Say that again. Well, San Diego and Israel are on, yes. on, on the same, same latitude. latitude. 
So if uh, if you're in Israel, any given time of the year, the weather will be much like here. Mm-hmm. In Tel Aviv on the coast, it will be like La Jolla. Uh, in uh, Galilee, it's inland and 700 feet below sea level. It will be like Escondido. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerusalem's 2,500 feet above sea level. It will be like Alpine. Mm-hmm. Okay? We just drove back from Phoenix yesterday, and we came over Alpine. It was cold. Yes, I bet it was. And here we are in December. Yes. So it was cold. So it was cold. Right? Well, there were shepherds out in the field, and they're taking care of the sheep. And, uh, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. You know it's got to be Gabriel. And uh, <laughs> the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. Or as we said in our, our nativity play in grade school, they were sure afraid. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the angel said, Fear not. There you right? go. He always there, says there that. that again. I bring good news of you know, glad tidings of great joy. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign. So they go to see. Mm-hmm. Now it's up on the hill. Shepherd's Fields, where this is, right down at the base of, mm-hmm. the, of the hill. And they go out. You can see Bethlehem up on the top. And they go up and, and they find the baby. And, and they are amazed. Now think of Mary and Joseph, these shepherds come. Well, shepherds are the lowest of the low. Mm-hmm. On the that's social a, that's scale. a low-end job yeah. on the social scale. But they show up, and there are sheep with them. They don't just leave the sheep. They have sheep with them. And, and, and here's the scene. We have our nativity display in, in churches and at home. Uh, my wife, Anna, has, I bet, 20 nativity mm-hmm. sets around the house right now. Where did that come from? St. Francis. St. Francis built the first nativity display. And, uh, and, and now we do that too. And, and I love looking at it. I love looking at it. And, uh, but there they are. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of something quite extraordinary. It's the beginning. The Savior has come into the world. Yes, it's the beginning, but not really the beginning because it was predicted by virtue of uh, all the different things that went back. It began way way back back in Genesis Genesis 3. Genesis 3 is a trajectory. It goes right to the danger in the manger. Oh, my, my, my. And my listening friend, as we say, the rest is history. The truth of the matter is, without that birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, where would we be? And one of the things I think that God is trying to teach us in that the whole complications and difficulty in in the birth, when we uh, experience a relationship with God, there's going to be our own difficulties, and we're going to be birthing many things in our life as well. And we just need to be prepared for the conflict, but also God's success in and through them. A brief word of encouraging my listeners. That's true. And let me make a connection between Eve as the mother of us all and Mary as the second Eve, Adam oh. as the father of us all, and Christ as the second Adam. Paul develops that in his epistles. And here's something for you, Gaz, and for your listening audience at Praise. I have a one-and-a-half-hour teaching on the birth of the Messiah. It's an audio teaching. If you go to my website, logosbiblestudy.com, on the homepage, slide down a bit, you have a free audio of that lecture for anyone in your audience who goes to the website. Well, and give that again it. as we get ready to wind up because we only have about 60 seconds left. LogosBibleStudy.com. Homepage, slide down toward the bottom, and you can ask for that lecture. 
Wow. Free for your audience. <laughs> My listening friend, I, I hope this has been an encouragement to you. You know, the whole story about the birth of Jesus Christ is something that we pay close attention to during this time of the year. But this was foretold back in Genesis and from there forward, but it also is going to be lived out <clears throat> with you in your life as well. Uh, we all different have different things that God gives us, and there's a whole birthing process there as well. We can learn a lot from the birthing process. We can learn a lot from uh, sometimes the meager beginnings, danger in the manger. Uh, those things not only were pictures uh, presented by the, uh, Isaiah and in the book of uh, Genesis and that were lived out through Jesus, but now we have an opportunity to live out the same or similar cycles as we go through. We can learn a lot by the birth of Jesus, my friend, but I want to also encourage you that we can learn a lot, not only by his birth, but his life, his death, and guess what? His resurrection. So, Amen to that. Uh-huh. Bill Creasy, Dr. Bill Creasy, thanks for joining us, and the Logos Bible Study insights that you gave us. My friend, have we had fun or what? Dr. Bill, thank you for joining us on this show. My listening friend, we're going to talk a little bit more about Christmas and uh, God things in future shows as well. Uh, Dr. Bill, it's been great fun chatting with you, my listening friend. I hope you've enjoyed this and more things like this to come in the future. God bless you and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining Chaz Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.